In this episode of Writers Get Animated, we talk about not one, not two, not three, not four, not five. We talk about not six, all the other seven, animated films not eight, of 2016. Not nine, not all of them. Not 11, sort of. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling and animation and 2016 in this episode. Boom, 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 boom. I think that's how we should all discuss 2016. It should always have some very scary music that follows the the term. So we'll see what happens. The I'm, Enlightenment uh, theme song from 2001 A Space Odyssey. You want the Enlightenment theme song to describe 2016. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell, sassy as ever. Uh, <laughs> and today we're discussing a lot of movies from 2016 that we just haven't gotten to discuss yet. Um, and as a recap, you can go back and listen to our episodes about Zootopia, Moana, Kubo and the Two Strings, and The Little Prince, and as a bonus, The Jungle Book, if you consider that an animated movie like we do. Yes, it is an animated film. Yeah. So, in there were a lot of movies that came out in 2016, uh, a lot of animated movies that came out in 2016. We have not seen them all, and I'm sure that you have not seen them all. If you have, tweeted us at WG Animated, and you could use the hashtag I saw them all with an M, like not them, but like E M. I saw M all E M. I saw them all. I saw them all. So if you, and we will count those up to see how many of you saw them all. Like the Pokemon of the nope, world. Stop, stop. Nope. Sorry. Nope. So just to start off, here is a list of all the films that we haven't just listed <laughs> that came out in 2016. So in addition to Zootopia and Moana and Finding Dory. And Jungle Kubo. Book and Kubo and the Two Strings and the Little and Prince. And the Little Prince. What else came out? Uh, Kung Fu Panda Three, Storks, Sing, The Red Turtle, My Life as a Zucchini, Your Name. That's the name of the movie. Your Name. <laughs> um, the Angry Birds movie, Quackers, Ethel and Ernest, Ice Age: Colon Collision Course, uh, Nerdland, Sausage Party. Norm of the North, that's right, that'll be the only time we mention that movie in this podcast. Uh, Ratchet and Clank, Sly Cooper, The Secret Life of Pets, Trolls, Monkey King, colon, Hero is Back, starring Jackie Chan, uh, Rock Dog in China, not an English dub yet, Miss Hokusai, Long Way North, and as extra bonus points, the 18th annual animation show of shows, which is a collection, a festival of shorts. I mean, but that'll happen every year, the 19th and 20th and etc. So, a lot came out. Yes. And um, I think as we talk through these, we can see the general consensus. There's about, there's a sequel in there. There's Kung Fu Panda 3. There's Ice Age Collision Course, which is the fifth film in that. Yeah, let that sink in for a minute. In that series. There have been five of those. We can all agree that the first one has a loving place in our hearts. As where it should have stopped. 
Yeah. Um, we have Trolls, which is uh, marketing, so toys turning <laughs> into a film. Um, we also have some high-level concept ones. Oh, well, we also have Angry Birds, which is video game turning into a, a movie, along with Ratchet and Clank and Sly Cooper turning into from video games into movies. There's a general, there's a lot of generic talking animal movies. And there's a very good one in there that we've done before, Zootopia. Like, this, not to say that all talking animal movies are bad, but there's a lot of generic, let's make an animated movie. Hmm, What do those have? Uh, Animals that talk. Yes. And I think that something about these. There's a lot of there are a couple of DreamWorks movies in here. There are a couple of Illumination movies in here. There are some smaller studios in here. But I think what you get is there's a char- kind of character that I don't necessarily like in just Go in on. general. So, and I think some of these films have a little bit of a problem with their heroes. Mm. So I want to spend a, a moment just discussing heroes in animated movies for a moment. If, is that okay? Is that okay? These soapboxes heroes. Okay. So what do we look for in the year now, 2017? But what what were we choosing to have our heroes be? in 2016. Now, granted, a lot of these animated films started being made in 2014, 2013, so maybe they've been reacting to whatever was in the culture in 2013 and 2014 eons ago, you know, <laughs> ancient history in in the early 10s. But now we're in like 1617, we're passing getting closer to 2020. Now, the heroes in a lot of these are people who don't have a strong enough want. They don't necessarily have a strong enough obstacle against what they want. And sometimes these heroes just don't shut up ever. They're constantly saying things they're constantly talking things And so it's hard to figure out when there's been a character change, if there is a character change, because I believe in a lot of times, a lot of these films, there's not a significant character change um, or a significant enough character change that happens. So we have characters who their wants are unclear, their obstacles aren't strong enough, and they don't change. They have a lot of sass back for the, the, the want of sass back. So you have funny lines in your animated movie for kids. Right. So I, do, I am one. I love funny dialogue. I love funny sayings. Um, I laugh at a lot of characters that say silly things. And if you can put that together, that it's just great. But sometimes it's nice when characters shut up and feel things. <laughs> like, and that does 
that's not to say that it doesn't happen in all these movies. There are a number of movies on this list that we haven't seen. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm certainly not passing judgment and saying, hey, these movies that we just listed, this is the problem with all of them. I'm not trying to say that. I am trying to say that it seems that they're, um, having watched many of them in quick succession, it seems like we're in this dangerous zone of heroes who talk a lot, have a quip for everything, and aren't allowed to have emotions or don't feel things deeper than they can throw a quip at it. Or sometimes the reversal in the plot is not like an, oh, I learned something new. It's more of an, I told you guys so. Right. So that that's my, I'm going to step off my soapbox now um, and, and move it. But as much as there is a formula for, you know, Disney and Pixar movies, because there is a little bit of a formula for those guys, as much as there is one, at least those characters change something fundamental changes in them which is why it's a little hard sometimes to do a sequel because they're not hopefully they're not the same person at the end that they were in the beginning um and it's not changing if we look at something like um ice age movies a change can't just be finding a mate or having a child or you know, or your friend finding a mate, or right. It's it's not just it's not enough of a change that hey we fell in love, um, again, <laughs> or somebody <laughs> else in the group fell in love. It has to be something internal and something I would say fundamental. Mm-hmm. Something fundamental to that character changes, and that's what we get. And I know that the argument against that may be that it's hard to write five movies where a character fundamentally changes five times. Yeah. Um, but we do that in life. People change fundamentally more than five times in a lifetime, I'm sure. Um, so think about that. It is possible. It is possible. It's part of growing up. And I Especially feel like some of these characters just don't grow up. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. They don't grow up and evolve. I'm not saying you can't be funny when you're an adult. I'm not saying you can't be silly when you're an adult. I'm not saying you can't have sarcastic comebacks as an adult because that's my bread and butter. (laughs) Where would I be without sarcasm? Uh, I don't know. Somewhere. But Thank you for making that joke. I knew you would get that. (laughs) I was going to make it. But um, I, I think that if we have characters in these films who don't grow and evolve and change, we're doing a disservice to the audience. Now, I think that sometimes we let it go. I don't, I don't, wasn't making a Disney reference, but I think sometimes we let things go and say it can't be complicated or smart because it's a kid's movie or it's a family movie. No, look at everything that we've already talked about this year that came out. Like, there are complex, deep parts of those movies, and they're all still geared towards kids. Little Prince. There's a a way to make an easy movie and a way to make a good movie. If you want to make a good movie, you make it challenging. If you want to make an easy movie, you make, like, essentially the 
the Hollywood equivalent of watching YouTube for two hours. <laughs> now you're giving them movie ideas now. <laughs> YouTube, the movie. Um, we have that in 2017 with the Emoji Movie. I know. I'm very Which we're not going to talk about until we do our 2017 All the Other Animated Movies. <laughs> in 2018. In 2018. So, um, should Let's we... Let's get into it. Should we talk about some of these now that we're off the character soapbox? I feel, I feel much better having gotten that off my chest. I, f I feel so much better, but... Yeah, unlike oh. characters, we can say how we feel. Yeah, exactly. Don't make your character say how they feel, because that just... Makes me it makes me angry. <laughs> I had to change it. I couldn't say the line. Go on. Um, so let's start with, um, I think, Kung Fu Panda 3. Um, Kung Fu Panda 3, if you're listening to this podcast at the time it came out, is available on Netflix if you're a Netflix subscriber. Great way to watch it. And it's hard to believe that it came out so long ago. It actually came out, by the time this episode airs, it'll be more than a year ago. It's very early hmm. January 2016. I had to stop and think, like, was this a 2016 movie? Yeah, it and felt it like it came a long time ago. I thought it was a 2015 movie, but... Look, a lot happened last year between Kung Fu Panda 3's release and now. <laughs> right, 2016, boom, boom, boom. was a very long year <laughs> with a lot that happened. So I thought you going for, like, the prices, right? Like, you lost the challenge thing. No. <laughs> Uh, but Kung Fu Panda 3, I haven't seen it before. I have seen, I saw Kung Fu, Kung Fu. Now I'm, now I'm turning into the generic easy Hollywood movie. I saw Kung Fu Panda 1, also known as Kung Fu Panda, um, in theaters. And I thought it was good and enjoyable at the time. I haven't really rewatched it since then. I think I probably skipped the second movie. I'm in the same I, boat. I, we, we watched the first one in the theater, and I never watched the second one. Um, and when they came out with this third one, I was like, part of me was like, there was a second one, <laughs> which tells us a little bit about that one. But, um, coming in and watching this one was, I remember liking the third one much more than the first in, which is saying something. I don't think I remember enough of the first to say that I like it better or worse, but I thought that there were lots of good parts to it. I thought overall it's a very it's a blah story. Meh, meh. I don't really get much from it, but J.K. Simmons is the villain, so it evens out. Um, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Brian Cranston I'm an is evil a, bull. And uh Brian Cranston is a long lost father of Poe. Uh, yeah. So there we have uh, another father story. But lots of father stories. Yeah, so Brian Cranston in there was was nice to have him. Uh, where I thought this movie excelled was not in story or character or dialogue, but it was, <laughs> it's like once, once you get to the third movie in an animated franchise, it's like, you just tell the animators, like, go crazy, do whatever. You're either going to make money and we'll make another one or you won't. So do whatever you want. So Kung Fu Panda 3, I think is actually very well told from a visual storytelling perspective. Um, mm. It very much embraces its comic book-esque panel style. There's lots of fun like panel movements, um, like a good Ang Lee's Hulk. Um, it kind of puts characters side by side. It's very cheesy and like old Kung Fu movie. 
Uh, there's lots of fun, like, silhouetted moments where there's, like, pops of colors. It's not realistic looking at all. Mm -hmm. It's the opposite of photorealism. And it just plays with color. It's so bright and fun to look at. Yeah. And you get a lot from how it's told from how it looks. It's amazingly appealing visually. Yeah. I remembered that about the first movie, and this one, I think, up the ante a lot in terms of what they did visually. Um, so... It's very nice visual storytelling, as you were saying. I mean, some of the stuff where it actually almost looked 2D animated. That's the Some best of part. the best stuff. It just looked really gorgeous. The way they went back and retold things from the past, it was very strong and powerful. Yeah, from the scrolls. It was a very, like, Disney perspective mm. of how they can retell things like that. I thought that was really cool. Um, like, at the beginning of, like, Mulan or... Moana, you see a history from a different animation perspective. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm a sucker for like innovative narration and storytelling. Um, if you know me, it's no secret that the movie Speed Racer, I love, and I think it's way ahead of its time. Yeah. You mean the the Wachowski film? Yeah. Yeah, the Wachowski siblings film. Um, it has the innovative, what I call the spinning heads montage. Ugh, I love it. And critical opinions begin to come around to me and say, like, Speed Racer is a really good movie. Not respected at the time, except by me. Yeah, I, I, I did enjoy the visuals of that one. I didn't like the story of it, but it is an <laughs> amazingly gorgeous film. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um. My, my son, Jack, did have a commentary on this. Um, part of the story is the idea of Poe, played by Jack Black, in an iteration of a character who just... It, it becomes almost the character that I was describing, but not quite. This character does have some change, and this character does have some moments of quiet reflection, but not a lot. <laughs> um, doesn't completely fill the space with just talking, which is good, but he does have just a lot of just please stop talking moments. Yeah. Um, it's but, like he hasn't learned anything in the first Kung Fu yeah. movies. Yeah. But this, this nice thing is he, um, he's in the spirit world, long story. <laughs> he is able to take his chi and craft. He draws out with his chi, I guess, with like smear paint, like in the air, essentially magic. He magics out <laughs> a dragon um, that he's able to then control and everything. And my son, Jack, who is watching with us, just stops and he says, he made power into a dragon? What does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> Is what Jack said. Like, what does that make sense? He made power into a dragon? It was just really... And this is just going towards our point that you can make an easy movie or a good movie. If even Jack, who's My now... My four-year-old son. Four. If he has dramaturgical problems with this... And it wasn't even emotions. a delightful thing where he's like, oh, oh, that's delightful. They made a dragon. That's really cool. He was just like... What? Like, how, does that, how does that even work? A dragon? I don't get it. It's like, well, he's uh, a dragon warrior. It's like, uh, 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 I still don't get it. But he did enjoy the movie a lot. 
he laughed a lot of things. There were a lot of little kid antics that happened. So a lot of like small characters falling down and doing things, um, which he enjoyed. Um, and I liked the, the message of the story. I just think it could have been a little bit stronger, but the idea that you're not trying to be something external, you're working on being, it's all internal work that you're trying to do and learn. I just wish that it had been done a little bit better because then it just felt like rushed. Like, wait, so how did he master this idea of identity and personal energy and who he yeah. is? I didn't see that happen other than, wait a minute, now I can control this. You know, it just. But it, there were genuinely, genuinely satisfying climactic battle um, yeah. that wasn't ruined by the trailers. That's right. Which is rare in 2016. Mm. Yeah. To not have the climax ruined by, you know, a two minute trailer. That's but, the whole story to make you think that you might want to watch it, even though you know it. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about a movie that you just saw. Let's give us a report on Storks. Storks. Okay. Let's, let's talk a little bit about Storks. Um, Storks was um, essentially the story of Storks, just to give it real quick, is that Storks used to deliver children, but don't anymore. Now, now they deliver packages from cornerstore.com. And uh, this business is growing, and it's about to the um, the head stork named Hunter is about to get a promotion, and he's going to put someone in his place. And he's chosen this stork named Junior, which was very confusing because he's not Junior's father, but in the trailer and other times you hear him say, "Junior, someday all this will be yours." And it's Kelsey Grammer as Hunter, because of, <laughs> because of course it is. <laughs> of course it's Kelsey Grammer as this villainous, high-brow, high-minded, hard executive who no longer wants to deliver babies because that's too difficult. We no longer do babies. Um, and the last time they delivered a baby, um, one of the storks tried to keep the baby because the baby was just so cute. And that baby... <laughs> Um, has grown up and lives at cornerstore.com, like helping them out. And uh, her name is uh, Tulip, I believe. And so they call her the Orphan Tulip. She's like, no, no, you could just call me Tulip because Orphan hurts my heart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, child services should have access to the Storks factory if that's well, how babies are delivered. Yeah, the, the hard part is they, have, they all have a homing beacon on them, and then they... That's how they know which family to deliver it to. Um, but we get all the all the dialogue is spoken at a very frenetic pace. It's exhausting. Um, the wise cracks and the quips and characters trying to will not talk about their feelings. And one character will ask, like, "So why do you why do you want to be the boss?" Is Tulip and Junior, she's like, well, why do you want to be the boss? He's like, it's like, ah, blah, blah. And he just starts talking and she's like, oh, I see. You're trying to avoid it. So it's a character thing of him avoiding the subject, but there's never a moment where he cracks that. 
and mm-hmm. then talks about it. I mean, he later on admits, like, I don't know. But it's not in a moment of admitting something or doing something. It's, it doesn't have the weight that you would think that it would have after him. The idea of him being the boss, but not knowing why he wants to be the boss or what he would even do if he were the boss. Okay. But, but you don't feel the weight of it. But I will say, yeah, heart and motivation, not quite there. Baby was really cute. That they, There's a little part of the story that falls into action is there's a family, um, a, f- a husband and a wife who are realtors, and they have no time for their son. They work at, from home, and their son is always wanting to play. And they're like, well, in five minutes, we'll be able to play. But they're always talking on their phones. They're always doing something with a client and, you know, just being those parents in that particular movie. So it feels like a different movie going on over there. And he finds a pamphlet that says, hey, if you want a baby, write to the storks. And so he's like, well, I want I want a baby. So he writes to the storks, to this old address that doesn't happen anymore, and sends it off. And that letter somehow, by accident, gets processed by the orphan tulip. And then the factory makes a baby? And the factory makes a baby again. Okay. And Hunter has the weekend to be able to get the baby actually delivered so he could still be the boss. And then he, in an accident, breaks his wings, so she has to fly with him in a a plane that she's created to go try to find her family to deliver this baby. And in their travels, they end up... uh, Probably the funniest thing of this movie... Um, was they land in the Arctic. They crash land, and there are these wolves. There's a pack of wolves that come upon them and that claim the baby as they're going to raise the baby because they fall in love with this little child, and they're going to raise it. I remember that being very funny in the trailer. Yes, and that's Jack's favorite part is, are you in love? I love it. I love it. Yes, I agree. I agree. I agree. They're like, they love, they love. And Jack was just cracking up. He just loved that part. But the part that was funny is they, they finally get the baby and they run away. And the wolves, like, they run over this chasm and they break, they chop down this bridge. And the wolves just say, wolves, form of wolf bridge. And they turn, they, the wolves build a suspension bridge. Not like a small, easy bridge, but like a suspension bridge out of wolves so the other wolves can cross it. And they keep chasing it, and um, they end up in this boat, and then the wolves are like, wolves, form of boat! And they turn into a boat, and you see them, like, kicking their legs under the water, and some of them are, like, spitting water and blowing bubbles and doing stuff, and, like, form of submarine! And these they all turn into a submarine. And, and I was like, this is just ridiculous enough that I'm laughing at it. And the submarine goes down, and they're underwater, and they're, like, making sonar sounds as wolves. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> the whole submarine comes up out of the water, so they all could take a breath, and then it goes back down <laughs> underwater. Um, and then they, then they take it a moment and go, form of airplane, and they all turn into an airplane, but it immediately falls because it's made of wolves. <laughs> so it just, So that's the only thing that I thought was... It was something I had never seen, and it was clever. It was in the trailer. I didn't realize it was in the trailer, 
but it was just like, what, what is this? What are we watching? But <laughs> the other moment that I laughed at was um, they're leaving and Junior says, we're going to fly in this plane. He's like, no, I'm going to fly. I'm a bird. I know how to fly this. I know how to fly. And he takes off and it just starts plummeting immediately. And he's like, oh God, I was wrong. I was immediately wrong. <laughs> just like that was just the, the call out of that joke of, I was immediately wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. I was immediately wrong. So it did make me laugh. Um, it made Jack laugh. But there, I was missing a little bit of heart. I, and I wanted it at the end. I wanted to feel like Junior had some change. And he did have a little bit. And it was nice to see them deliver the different children. Because at the end, there's a lot of babies. Spoilers. There's a lot of babies that get made at the factory on accident. Um, but they, but they, everyone delivers and you see all these people and it's a really moving f scene, but I feel like junior didn't shut up enough to feel anything. And I think that's where I was left with it. It was a, it was a fun movie, but it didn't, it didn't go that extra step to have like, it was, it was a lot of ice cream. There wasn't mm -hmm. a lot of whipped cream, and there definitely wasn't a cherry on top. I feel a lot of the same feelings about Sing, which I did see. Okay, um, tell me about this, Sing. This is something that I think I originally wasn't going to see, and then I found out that Garth Jennings directed it, and I do love Garth Jennings. I am a fan of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and he has another movie called Son of Rambo, which is not a Rambo movie, but it's about <laughs> Rambo movies. Um, <laughs> And I think that's such a charming, wonderful film that I love. I saw it in theaters like three times. I adore it. I should actually buy it on DVD. I don't know why I don't have this. <laughs> um, and there, he, some some documentation on uh, the production of Sing. They've been working on this for a long time. Yeah. And it's his first animated movie, and he admits like there's things that he didn't really expect in it. Um, and there's just so much happening in it. It's essentially American Idol, the animated movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I stay during the credits to count. There are 65 songs in this movie. 65. 65 songs. Oh, my gosh. I was exhausted yeah, was, watching the trailers for the movie in terms of how many songs they had. And like, that's where most of them are. That's like 20 of them right there, like in a two-minute span. Gosh. Yeah, it's, it's a lot less hectic than the trailer makes it out to be. The trailer shows, like, all these people, and that's a part of the movie, the auditions, but it's ultimately, like, four or five final acts that are most of the movie. Hmm. Which you can probably guess who they are based on the trailer. Yeah, it's the ones who have a story, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so there's a lot that I like, but I think the, the main character suffered from the what we were talking about earlier. Buster Moon is a koala in charge of the theater, and he's just, like, this snappy comeback like doesn't really i don't know that he learns anything he must he has he has moments where he's down but i it's hard for me to like pinpoint an arc for him yeah being down and succeeding is not enough of an arc i feel sometimes yeah. like overcoming i don't know there are parts of this movie that I genuinely think are funny and there are a number of good satisfying jokes. Like one of the long running jokes is there's like this 
J-pop group of five red pandas at audition, and they don't speak English, so they don't understand they're not in the competition. <laughs> so they keep appearing and like singing like these J-pop songs and doing like these little dances. He's like, no, 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 go away. Uh, so I thought that was funny. And at one point, he's short and act. It's just like, good news, you're in. And they misunderstand that as they're out and they storm out. <laughs> uh, so um, that was good. Um, this probably the funniest moment in the movie for me is um, Buster Moon the Koala is down on his luck. And his backstory is that his dad was a car wash owner person. There's something about car washing his dad. They don't really explain it. And so he calls his friend the sheep who has like this this pool and he has like, there's a joke earlier about a Speedo. And so the sheep gets a call and he's like, hey, what's up? Because yeah, can you meet me at this corner of the street? And can you bring an extra Speedo? And you're like, okay, what's gonna happen? And so the Eddie shows up and he gives him a Speedo and he puts it on and he sees that there's a car wash sign. And you're like, oh, you're doing the car wash. And in your head, you're still like, why is a Speedo involved? And then Buster Moon, gets dunked in water and soap and jumps in this man's windshield and uses himself as a sponge. <laughs> which is funny enough to begin with. And then Eddie, in this moment of solidarity, decides to also put on a Speedo and says, you wash, I'll dry. And like uses his wool coat. And they're like, there's a montage of them rubbing up against cars and doing this, which I think is clever and funny. And I cracked up at, I appreciate that. And... <laughs> Not as funny, but I think the final musical numbers are genuinely satisfying. They all build mm. to a good head, and you're all satisfied in how these characters have developed in their talent and put on this show. Hmm. Which is, I think, the danger for doing a movie like this. Like, thinking at the end, like, well, they didn't improve, and they did. Hmm. So I will give that to the movie. But too many characters, too many storylines... And one is even left on a huge cliffhanger. Like, I stayed through the entire credits to, like, see if there was more, and there wasn't more. It's like, oh, why? Why was that necessary to, like, have this hint of danger and then not follow up on it? <laughs> Cliff, Ugh. so you end one story, fix all the other storylines, but one storyline is left on a cliffhanger. Seth MacFarlane is this dislikable mouse. Um who like cheats and does all this stuff and he gets in some trouble with like these Russian bear gangsters and he's fleeing and like they escape because that was close at the end of the movies he's driving away and then like there's a Russian bear still in the back of his car that's the end of the story that's the end of his story huh huh so that's a criticism I had <laughs> definitely um, a type B cliffhanger I guess or is it type A? Uh, it's a it's a type. Don't do it. Okay. Um, now you also <laughs> saw Secret Life of Pets, which I skipped. I did. I did see Secret Life of Pets. Um, I thought Secret Life of Pets was. I thought it was going to be one movie, and it turned out to be a different one. Like it starts off very much the movie you expect from the original trailers, which is. All the humans leave their homes, and oh goodness, the animals are getting up to some shenanigans. <laughs> oh my, this is silly, you know. Um, so the, all the animals and what they do while everyone else is away. So it's pretty innocuous stuff. Eat a turkey and pretend to, if the parakeet pretends to fly, and Max, the main character dog, is just hanging out, you know. Um, and... 
what happens that activates the plot is we have Max who thinks that his life is absolutely everything. He thinks that Katie, his owner, and he are soulmates. And he says as much that we're soulmates. We knew it. We're, we're together. And she brings home another dog. She brings home a, a dog from the pound. And so Max is this tiny dog, and she brings home this massive, huge, furry dog and named Duke. And she's like, this is Duke. He's going to be living with us. And you start to see that it's already adversarial. That, oh my gosh, there are you know, Duke takes his bed, Max's bed and takes other stuff. And there's just a lot of talking at each other and quips going at each other about things. And their, their owner leaves them alone. And um, they try, Max starts to break stuff to, so he could frame Duke later on. Like, she's going to kick, kick you out of the house now because look at all the terrible mess. She's not going to believe that it was me because we've had this life together. So it must be you and you're going to get kicked out, which I thought was interesting. But then a dog walker took them on a walk with like 10 other dogs to a dog park. And then they get separated from the group. And then the Duke and Max end up in the sewer where there's a rabbit who's an overlord of these flushed away pets and the uh, the rabbit takes their collars, and no, a cat takes their collars. A cat steals their collars, and then they end up in the sewer where the rabbit is in charge. See, it just gets very complicated very fast. Yeah, I'm I'm already losing interest in this movie. <laughs> so it just becomes really big and complicated. Um, I did enjoy Albert Brooks as as a, a falcon in a roof um he was very intimidating very scary as a the falcon who is being used by the poodle or the not she's not a poodle but by the young little white furry dog gidget to help find max because max is missing um but he's like take off my hood and i'll help you and it's just like really wonderfully creepy falcon <laughs> But he just wants to eat her. But <laughs> but they turn That's they creepy. make an alliance. But it's it gets really big really fast, and it f- sort of forgets what it wants to be about. So it wants to be a little bit Tory, Toy Story esque, but it just gets so big, and the third act is just action sequences and people chasing. And you forget why certain characters are chasing whom, and then it just then it just oh everyone's at home, it, you know it's like well mm. it fixes things and everyone is finds anything a resolved? Home. Are they missing for like more than one day, or is it just one day in their back? It's just one day in their back. By the end of the yeah. day, they make it home before their owner gets back, and their owner gets back and sees the mess in the house. It's like oh well, I guess this will be okay. We'll we'll learn to be together. And it, no. it just, it's a single day, and I feel like it's just so much that happens. I just got, I, I felt overwhelmed. And I know Jack felt overwhelmed, too, when he saw it. He saw it before me. He saw it with Grammy in the movie theater. He just talked about it being 
so big. If it had just been the stuff in the beginning, I think Jack would have been fine and, and loved it if it was just animals being animals. But I think they just made this massive, huge plot that I think was kind of unnecessary. It just got too big too fast, and I think it lost me. So... Mm. that's too bad but I did laugh I did I will say this I did laugh but I think it wanted to have some heart and I saw some moments where it was like oh oh yeah here's some emotion in this because we get to see some of Duke's backstory Um, but that didn't quite resolve itself because again the characters didn't shut up and let things be felt it didn't slow down it didn't give it space the realization of what happened to duke's old owner wasn't given time to land Mm. it was just as fast and frenetic as everything else we can't put sad things in kids movies yeah it just didn't it didn't let let it have space but it have space and silence. But oh, it was okay. it was it was all right. What about um? um I want to I want to hear about one that I didn't see. I want to hear about Angry Birds. I do. Oh uh, yeah, the Angry Birds movie. Um, <laughs> my one word review is ugh. It's basically the of our discussion at the beginning about heroes in movies. I think that it's the worst of all that. Um, it's it's not like a poorly made movie. It's not Quackers. Um, oh God, <laughs> Quackers, which, which I'll, we'll, we'll talk about in a second briefly. <laughs> yeah, briefly. But Angry Birds movie. There's a lot of convoluted plot to like establish the rules of the game, and then like the game things happen for no reason anyway. Like the beginning, the pigs come to the Angry Birds Island, like, and we have gifts for you, including this giant slingshot. It's like, I don't know. Um, and then, like later at the end, like there's the birds are being fired from the slingshot, and some of them have already established their powers, and some of them haven't. Um, and so then, like the teacher gets thrown from the slingshot, and like eggs come out of her. And so the main character, Red, says, Oh, my teacher fires eggs from her butt when she's thrown from the slingshot. Who would have guessed? I I certainly wouldn't have. I mean, I would have if I played the games, but in the plot of this movie, I would not guess that. I would not guess that from what you've established. <laughs> I think that's a hard part about video game movies in general is you're trying to work with the gameplay and add a plot to, to it. I know you don't have to. I would just say there, there's the decision. Do we go with the gameplay or do we make take the concept of green pigs stealing eggs from birds, which makes them angry? Are they angry before the eggs are stolen? Could you answer that? Red me? is the only one who's angry. This is essentially the plot of the movie is there's this one bird who's an outsider because he's angry and um, then this thing happens, and he's insisting that the pigs are bad the entire time, and eventually everyone else realizes that they're bad and says, I told you so! And the moral of the story is that 
everyone should be angry, at least in this instance. See, I thought what made them angry was being... Thrown from slingshots? Well, no, but getting robbed. And they constructed the slingshots to be able to go retrieve the eggs. That'd be a more satisfying movie. And this whole thing about how they can't fly, but only Sam the Eagle can. Or not Sam the Eagle, that's the Muppets. Just the, the Muppets. Eagle. Mighty Eagle. <laughs> the Mighty Eagle. The Mighty Eagle. Although I would play Muppets Angry Birds. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would as well. But I yeah. think here's, here's the thing about it. If we're talking about a hero making a change, because it doesn't sound like the hero changes. It sounds like the hero is... Not really. There's and, some change, but it's like... Still be yourself, but also have friends. Okay. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like if it was Red's fault that the pigs were okay. Like if Red was nice and then everyone else got trapped by, the, by these pigs and the pigs stole the eggs and they were deceived and Red had b trusted them and now... It's his trust that has caused this, and now he has to make up for it, and he's angry at himself, angry at everybody else, and angry at the pigs, when really, and then he understands, no, no, I'm angry at me for falling for it. And that's the You just the fixed lesson. Angry Birds. And that's the The moral lesson. of the story, I'm imagining like a movie where essentially have Ned Flanders as the main character. Yeah. And the turning point is realizing like it's okay to have a full range of emotions. Right. Including anger. Right. And then when he lets that anger out and they save everyone because of his anger and they're all they're all their anger, then suddenly they're able to go back. I kind of feel like Red in character design and attitude and voice acting is like they saw Inside Out and said, Let's take that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I ugh. Again, yeah. the hero has to change fundamentally, in a fundamental way. If it's, yeah. it's about... How funny would it be to start a movie titled Angry Birds with everything happy and friendly? That is... That's just... And you set it up. You everything is a joke to make it seem like it would upset somebody, but them to go, oh, ha, ha, oh well, you know, like have them be okay with everything. And that's kind of what they do. But Red is just the outsider; is the only one who gets angry at these things. And I think, but that's he's also a, like this tortured youth because of his eyebrows. Uh, uh, yeah, it sounds like a problem. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So we've we've covered a lot that we have seen, uh, and there's some other movies that we did see, but we I think have discussed in depth the ones that are most worth mentioning. Wor yes, I know that's worthwhile. saying a lot based on our reviews, but that's worth that's <laughs> most. The ones that are most worthwhile to to at least give a, a viewing to. So I have a question for you: for the films that you still haven't seen from 2016 that are animated. Yep. What do you still want to see? I definitely want to see um, My Life as a Zucchini, not just because of the award season and it its award season heating up for it. I do want to see that one because it does look like a really interesting, um, a really interesting story. 
Mm-hmm. And the art of it looks really fun and interesting. I agree. It looks very much like a almost like a kid's crayon drawing in stop motion. Yeah, and I wish I Jack would really be able cool. to see it, but he can't read subtitles. So I don't until it's they fair. have an English dub. I don't think he'll be able to see it, or until he you know learns how to read um, fully, <laughs> he won't be able to watch that one. Um, yeah. I think uh, Ethel and Ernest was also on my list that I haven't had a chance to see yet. Yeah. I kind of, I'm okay not seeing that myself. (laughs) It looked fine. It looked like the opposite of everything else we talked about. It looked like a movie with emotions um, and okay, there's emotions in it. (laughs) Um, I'm definitely not going to see Norm of the North. No one should. Um, from what I hear. And from what I hear on Ratchet and Clank, they were the re- that movie's reception was the reason why Sly Cooper got held back for so long. <laughs> because same studio, same director. Um, and uh, it, they held that one back because of that. So I probably won't see either of those. Yeah. Although, if you do, if you're a listener and you do want to experience Norm of the North for yourself, if you have Hulu, it is currently on Hulu. Oh. Along with Monkey King Heroes Back, which is one that I do want to see because it was so big in China. Yeah, that one was huge. Yeah. Other than like that, I'm not really interested in it myself. (laughs) I do not, I don't want to see Sausage Party either, necessarily. I just, there's just something about it that, story-wise just doesn't seem appealing i think it goes back to when we talked about shrek which fart jokes for the sake of fart jokes it just feels like one big fart joke which there is one of those in sing which is turned me off from that a little bit (laughs) um i do want to see the red turtle yes which is uh studio studio ghibli uh it's outside their usual style and very interesting visually but I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so 2016 still is lingering in here. We still have a little bit of 2016 to keep going with. Yeah. And I, of course, just as a last note, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention your name. I don't think that I necessarily want to see this movie, but it is the 10th highest grossing animated film of the year. So it's, it's in the top lists of things. Hmm. I've kind of mentioned all the other top list things. And speaking of top lists, so there's some awards that have gone out and awards that will be going out soon. You have um, the Annie Award nomination for writing. Mm-hmm. What were the nominees for those? So in the award most relevant to our podcast about <laughs> writing and animation. <laughs> <laughs> The Annie Awards have nominated Kubo and the Two Strings, Zootopia, My Life as a Zucchini, and The Red Turtle. Hmm. Turtle? Turtle. Turtle. The Red Turtle. Um, for writing. And having only seen 50% of the movies, I'm inclined to say Zootopia. Mm-hmm. But I'm willing to be proven wrong seeing the other two. Yes. Absolutely. And Oscar nominations are about to happen soon. 
Well, after they we've have... after we've recorded, but you will have <laughs> they will have been announced by the time you're listening to this, dear listeners. So, um, what are your predictions for best animated feature? I feel like the f- the top three are easy to predict, and for a year with a record twenty seven films submitted for this animated feature category, um, 20, I can't. That's pres- still unbelievable. It's amazing. Yeah. It's happening. Um, but I can't foresee any less than five nominees for this award with so many entrants. Um, in some years, they do like three or less. But I think this year, Zootopia, Moana, and Kubo are all shoo-in. Yeah. Um, and I think probably my life is a zucchini will get a nomination. And to round it out, I think I'm going to go with Sing as the fifth movie in my prediction. Yeah, I want Dory in there, but possibly Sing just because of... I don't know. They, Do we think they, they'll give Disney three nominations? They, they won't. That's why I don't think Dory will be in there. That's why I think it'll be something like Sing. Um, which Wait is till gotten, we have like, a, a world where there's every year a Pixar movie, a Disney animated movie, a Disney animated musical, an, or a Marvel animated movie, and an animated Star Wars movie. Like, it'll just be Disney. It's just Disney. Disney won the award. It doesn't matter for which one. Just give them the award. <laughs> Someday, maybe that'll be the way it is. Um, and the award for best Disney movie goes to. <laughs> and I can't say with any certainty that Zootopia will win, but it did win the Golden Globe. It did. I feel good about Zootopia. I have it picked for my favorite to win. I think mm-hmm. both in terms of my preference and from critical reception around it. Yeah. I think as I far as... I won't be upset if Moana or Kubo win. Yeah, I won't be upset, but I think Zootopia being my adult favorite Disney movie, I, I feel I'm rooting for it. But I do feel like there's a strong chance of Moana sliding in there. Um, Kubo, the artistry is wonderful and beautiful on it. So I can see them awarding that artistry. But I know that it's hard to say that there isn't artistry in the computer generated because there is an amazing amount of artistry there too. So, Well, what I could see happening, um, was it for the Golden Globes? I've lost track. I didn't follow the story enough. But the costume designer for Kubo got nominated for costume design. For an animated movie. Yeah. yeah. And I could see that maybe happening at the Academy Awards as well. Because, hmm. yeah, that's a beautiful costume. You're not just yeah. making a beautiful costume. You're making it full of wires so it can be beautifully posed in every shot. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, do you have a favorite thing from all these movies of 2016 that we haven't um, I talked just... about before now? I just think for me, my favorite thing are the wolves from the movie Storks. Just anything with the wolves, that, I think that's my favorite thing. The wolves. <laughs> Later on in the movie, they turn into a minivan when they're capturing the baby back. <laughs> and you have the wolves who are the wheels who just keep saying, ow, 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 <laughs> as they drive down the road. So, okay, I'll probably see it just for that. Yeah, just at, at least just I got it from uh, the Red Box. I had a nice coupon, so I paid like twenty seven cents to watch it. Um, Ooh, which so worth twenty seven cents. Deal. 
Yeah. At least I I would have paid the full buck 50 to see it, to have my whole family see it. That's how much I enjoyed it. That's how much I love this. (laughs) Um, I think my favorite thing was not something that's in an actual movie this year, but was a realization that I had. Um, on Netflix, there's a movie called Quackers, which I cannot recommend. Not Cannot recommend enough. Cannot recommend. <laughs> <laughs> Period. Period. And there's a moment as I'm watching it partly in, and I'm this uh, like takes place in China, but there's also like these American stereotype ducks. And I have this thought of like, is this racist or is it poorly localized? And I do some research and it's a Russian movie. So it turns out it's both racist and poorly localized. (laughs) Oh. So that was my moment. That was your moment of understanding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, goodness, with all that out, should we talk a little bit about homework time? We should. All right, so for homework time, we're going to continue our 2016 movies uh, that we haven't discussed by spending some time talking about a movie that we ironically forgot, Finding Dory. We forgot Dory. Now, to be fair, we were doing, when Finding Dory came out, we were doing an episode about Disney direct-to-video sequels, and we swore, we swore that we'd come back around to talk about Finding Dory. And then we forgot to come back around to talk about Dory. So Yeah, but totally worthwhile. While we didn't mention it today or in any of our predictions, this is a movie that we both love from 2016. So we next time, uh, I will say rewatch Finding Dory, because I'm sure that a lot of people have seen it based on the, the uh, box office numbers. So... Rewatch Finding Dory, but that's what we're going to be talking about next time. As always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Coutinho, and to Jacob Reed for our theme music. You can continue talking to us on the web, on Twitter, at WGAnimated, on Facebook.com slash WGAnimated. And for any show notes and links and trailers and things to the movies that we talked about today, you can go to our show notes at writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. Podcasters, form of end of show. <laughs> that was a good one. I like that. Thank you. Ow, 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 ow. I don't know why the show ow, hurts, ow, 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 but ow. good night, everybody. I agree, I agree, I agree. <laughs>